0: Episode We'll be talking about King Crimson in the Court of the Crimson King. In the room, I have Rob, and Anne, Hello. and Ben. Hello, in the Court of the Crimson King, subtitled An Observation by King Crimson, is the debut album from English rock band King Crimson, released on the 10th of October 1969 on Island Records in the UK and Atlantic Records in the US. The producer was C- King Crimson, the genre is progressive rock. And from All Music Review, Bruce Edder. The group's defining album, and one of the most daring debut albums ever recorded by anybody. At the time, it blew all the progressive psychedelic competition, including the Moody Blues and The Nice, out of the running. Although it was almost too much for the band's own good, as it would take King Crimson nearly four years to come up with a record as strong. Ian McDonald's Mellotron is the dominant instrument, along with his saxes and Robert Fripp's guitar, making this somewhat different sounding record from anything else they ever did. And even though the Mellotron sound is muted and toned down compared to their concert work of the era, it is still fierce and overpowering. On an album highlighted by strong songwriters that is filled with dark and doom-laden visions, the strongest singing of Greg Lake's entire career, and Fripp's guitar playing, that strangely mixed elegant classical Hendrix-like rock explosions and jazz noodling. Lineup changes commenced immediately upon the album's release, and Fripp would ultimately be the only survivor of later King Crimson records. All right, what do we think of King Crimson's debut?
1: I like a lot of it. Okay, <laughs> I think it starts really strong, and I think that it has a very strong finish as well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> bookends. It's got some. It's got
0: some bookends. So I'm here, I'm hearing the middle part is is where it's lacking for you. It. Well, yeah, well, the,
1: the, the momentum that they build up with 21st Century Schizoid Man it drops off pretty drastically right into track two. I don't dislike track two. Uh, I Talk to the Wind... I think it's about two minutes too long. There's yeah,
0: once the the flute like solo, there's like a second flute solo that comes in. I was like, yeah, wow. more flute solos. No, no, it's a it's like Never a six last. minute song.
1: Oh. I think it would have been a fine four minute song. You had me at when the
0: second flute. Solo comes in. <laughs> Is that the one I'm thinking of? Maybe yes, it's, maybe it's the second. Are you sure? I'm. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm gonna... I, I. I may have written down something about. It's the, the,
3: the one flute. that sounds like '70s soft rock. Okay. <laughs> kind
2: of. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Like it feels very yeah. '70s. Yeah.
0: After the. And
3: it's very flute heavy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. After the, yeah, I wrote down after the flute doubles itself, it should have just ended there. It doesn't need to extend <laughs> another. And
3: round. then triple it.
0: <laughs> I just wrote down uh,
2: into the jazz flute solo. Because why not? <laughs> yeah, I said no need for the Ron Burgundy flute solo at the end of this. <laughs> Man, yeah, I, I'm. I'm with. Just ben...
3: Don't understand the 70s. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm with Ben uh, on this. I, I think that it starts out incredibly strong and finishes very, very strong. And the in betweens, after multiple listenings, I've been able to uh, like it. It makes more sense on multiple uh, listening of the uh the album
0: yeah i got a lot more out of it listening to it a couple times and i talked to the wind i also wrote that it sounds it's like the beginning of that like really slow heavy rock it bands like failure yep mm-hmm. uh which i i love love failure and it, it was very cool to hear that sort of like this is like spawning Prague, hev- like metal, slow rock, all these different like genres that are just like evolving from this one thing.
3: Yeah, it feels yep. like it started a lot of things. I would agree that the beginning and the end are the strong points, right? Like the that Moonchild song, I wrote down. Like, is this intentionally like satirical? <laughs> like, like, are you are they, with me? Are they trying to make fun of themselves in some way, or like? Is it serious, right? And I'm not sure.
0: I can tell. I have background <laughs> on that. Does anybody else want to talk about Moonchild a little bit? I think that there's. It can only be
1: one Moonchild, and it hasn't been written yet. Is my okay. thoughts. <laughs> <Moonchild. laughs> on <Okay, laughs> What? <laughs> about six minutes in, it's as if the engineer keeps the tape rolling, but the band thinks that he's cut them off, and
0: they're just kind of. <laughs>
1: And <laughs> do it's hilarious. <laughs> so
0: so on their 40 40th year uh, you know, release, they kind of had a celebration or something and um, McDonald. This is what McDonald says about Moonchild. We would run out of material and didn't want to. Put, we didn't want to put a cover tune on our first album, so we were left with a gap. We needed another seven seven to nine minutes. So once we recorded oh, the you. basic track, the front section with the vocals, yes. Mike, Robert, and I went back into the studio, set the tape rolling, and just improvised for about ten minutes. And I think it's all right. Oh, man.
3: That's so precious. <laughs>
0: I read a, a write-up uh, on um, this song that Also, used... there's oh, one ahead. more. Sinfield also says, Greg really didn't play on Moonchild. That sort of free-form improv wasn't Greg's bag. He was like, what's all that twiddling about? Oh, I suppose I'll have to put bass note here. And then he said, I'm not playing on that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That guy seems to have a good head on his shoulders. <laughs> uh, I had what? to dig into it because I was like, what yeah. happened? Is and,
3: he... Is he... From Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer? Is it that guy?
0: Greg
1: Lake? Yeah, yeah, Greg Lake. Yeah. yeah. I read a write-up. The same. Yeah.
3: So yes, yeah. Um, that makes perfect sense to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I read a write-up on Moonchild that uh, used the term space jam to describe it. <laughs> so, so I like that.
3: <laughs> well, and I felt like, lyrically, it's, it's like this moonchild opposed to a sunchild, and that really jived... Like I feel like this is like heavy metal the movie music, right? Yeah. And it's like leading to all that D D metal stuff. So it makes sense in that context, but it's also silly. Yeah. So I like
1: I do like heavy metal the movie music. <laughs> I, I do.
3: Right. But I mean it's that like fair shit. Oh yeah, yeah. It. It's strong in all in this and it's strong in that, right? Yeah.
2: Dayman fighter of the nightman <laughs> champion of the sun
1: mm-hmm. have you taken a look at king crimson album covers to come after everyone knows what this album cover looks like it's awesome it's iconic it's classic have you looked ahead
2: <laughs> I get confused sometimes with them and uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer and the Escher artwork that's on Brain Salad Surgery. So mm-hmm. if that is actually King, King Crimson, then G- yes, I Giger know exactly. G- what, Giger? Yeah, Giger, my yeah, Geiger, my bad. Geiger, yeah.
3: Geiger. I was trying to remember what actually. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Some of it looks
1: like like fan art of wizards
3: and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Perfect.
1: Into it. <laughs> Somebody
3: just sent that to them, and then they could use it. <laughs>
0: I told difference from the first song to the second song it is is but i find that somewhat engaging because that's the sort of thing that like i was mentioning failure before it's like they go from this really heavy really really heavy song but and then into these like very melodic soft ballads or something yeah faith no more did that a bit too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they had that sort of like Sweet un- undercurrent of like a ballad, like a seventies ballad or something like that. Well,
2: I like like you know that that first track is seven minutes plus, right? Yeah, and, mm. I mean you you need something to digest that, and yeah. I, I I think that uh, the it the, just is too much digestion in the middle there. Well, just it continues. just <laughs> I, I think the I I really like the first three tracks. Um, okay, a, and then. Then things get a little bit shaky for me. Wait, wait, so what don't you like then? So you only dislike one of the Oh, Yeah, Moonchild's the only one that, like, I think Epitaph is fine. Yeah. Um, What about the beginning of Moonchild? I'm I'm into the first five minutes of Moonchild. So all we're... We're just bitching about the same thing that these assholes (laughs) were like, nah, it's good enough. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah, overall, it's... Okay. I liked it all the way through. It's because they, like, it feels like jazz instead of just noodling the whole way through, too. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't Uh have any patience for... Jamming, yeah, but yeah, it's orchestrated, right?
1: Mm-hmm. I think cut six minutes off Moonchild, cut two minutes off of I Talk to the Wind, and throw in like a mid out, al- like a mid album rocker. And <laughs> know, it would have like,
2: been nice to have another rock song. It
1: would
3: have well, nice to have another you, rock you, song. They build you up so hard with that first I track. Mean, you're how, like, oh, this is gonna how, be very. How
2: do you rocking. even top that song, though? I mean, it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's maybe, what that a beast have, melter. maybe that could
1: Maybe that could have been the the mid album rocker, and you're just kind of like have an up tempo first track. You know, just a kind of, reprise of the ooh, first you one. You want to
3: start yeah. strong yeah. though.
1: Well, yeah, you don't write a shitty one.
3: Well,
2: maybe if they couldn't <laughs> could write
3: an extra song for the album at all, and it took them four years for a follow up, I think this is what they had. Right? Yeah, they didn't want to do a cover. Like, what if they tried? Well, I think it's so tight did. though. That's the thing is. <laughs>
0: The precision <laughs> on these songs is... Mm-hmm. So Greg Lake's the bassist on this? Pretty pretty excellent. Yes.
2: Yeah, that that dude's uh, work on uh, 21st Century Schizoid Man is bananas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is everywhere at the same time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did notice the bass tone a bit, too. It has a, a nice smooth... It's just like this smooth, smooth like jazz bass, I guess. Yeah, and
2: that's that's the place where you can't hide. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I would distort the shit out of it just so I could pretend I knew exactly what I was doing. <laughs> but each one of those notes is placed correctly.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I, I found I, I, I found this whole record to be enjoyable with the exception of what we found out to be a uh, yeah. jazz a goof, th- yeah. ten minutes of improv because yeah. they needed to fill space. It's a jazz goof. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you did anyone
1: else uh read how uh Robert Kreiskow, uh described this album Ursat's Mm-mm. Mm-mm. shit
3: <laughs> who's Robert Kreiskow?
1: he was, what was it village voice is that who you're up for yeah, yeah.
3: that's sweet <laughs> also I
1: learned about uh frippertronics this week oh okay you guys know about frippertronics mm-hmm. I do I thought it was more of an Eno thing, but I guess it was a Fripp thing first, Mm -hmm. where you've got, like, the two tape machines, and the tape goes through the head of the first one and then through the head of the second one. Mm -hmm. And so the head of the second one is recording, but it's also getting the playback of the first one, so it's like a natural analog delay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's where you get it's cool stuff. Where you get that analog delay, it's, and you it's can cool.
1: control the delay by moving the tape machines further apart and closer <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then I think that he developed. Sweet. I can't remember if he hel- helped develop with someone like an actual pedals or how that would that would work later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was pretty inventive. Um, he's like one of definitely one of the guitar gear the people who go to Guitar Center and love gear love to talk about Robert Fripp you can, <laughs> conversations I want to avoid forever
1: you know how you can tell that really easily is that he plays sitting down yeah <laughs> famously yeah on stage
0: hey he's got no time for that <laughs> well, one time I saw Steve Albini and he wrapped his guitar his uh shoulder strap around his waist and I was like that that dude don't give a fuck what you think. He'll do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded great. <laughs> uh I do I really admire people that just do that though. They're like, I don't care what you think this guitar looks like or mm-hmm. what I'm doing, like I'm shredding.
1: Have you seen the footage of uh I think it's I think it's on top of the pops. It's old like black and white footage. Of like mid 60s kinks, and Dave Davie is playing a flying V, but he's playing with his arm through the fork of the V <laughs> for, the, for the whole set. Like, it's not just like a trick he does, Like he starts the set and finishes the set. Like, <laughs> just playing it up like there. That. That's
3: supportive of your arm, like, <laughs> for if you're in the carpal tunnel or something. Yeah. yeah. Seems smart. Uh, As,
1: like growing up, I always uh, assumed like, well, you know, the Flying V guitar was probably pretty new at the time, and maybe no one showed him <laughs> what it was supposed to like. How you're supposed to play that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's probably this.
0: <laughs> yeah, th- this epitaph song, man. It's it's epic, mm-hmm. super epic. Starts out with timpani, man. <laughs> yeah. so this song has a
1: long subtitle, and on my Spotify account, it cut off the subtitle halfway through. So, the subtitle of this song is called Epitaph, in parentheses, including March for No Reason and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. But on my screen, it just said Epitaph, including March for No Reason. (laughs) I believe that because I've listened to the rest of this album. They might just break into a march for no reason (laughs) because they've got some time to
2: kill. Uh, so when they're saying that the uh, the mellotron's being used all over this record, is it actually though, or is it just on "Court of the Crimson King"? Because I, I hear a whole bunch of like woodwinds and stuff, but not not mellotron. Yeah, I think
0: they're talking more about those the two songs. Okay. Yeah the the big thing about that too is they layered upon layer like they layer 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 all that stuff into this this. Massive, massive orchestrated sort of like mellotron. I think that's why it's so striking, it's not just because it's on here, it's just because it's like so big. It sounds really, really big. Yeah. I did read some oh, about how is. the. Yeah. Hey,
2: okay. So it is an epitaph.
0: I did read about how there were some like problems with the mix down and how they rec- when they were recording and it had incorrectly aligned and they tried to fix some of that but some of the like high frequencies in the last song you can definitely tell like it's not it it doesn't have like the full range doesn't have like the full spectrum until 2009 and yeah they kind (laughs) of brought it back because they
1: found like the the original tapes right
0: yeah i think it was uh 2003 okay but yeah they brought the original tapes and
2: Cool. Yeah. Was this originally recorded in stereo or was it mono? I would imagine stereo for a band stereo like this. Seems more because the only thing stereo I've found, I mean, there, there's hard pans going on, but like specifically Moonchild where they're doing their uh, like little tippy-tappies. Yeah. In stereo are every bell hit going mm-hmm. on on the cymbals. Oh, actually, I did, I did read
1: how it was one of the earlier examples of of miking a, a drum set in stereo uh-huh. as opposed to uh-huh. just having your your drum track okay. or, like, mixed down to, like, a channel or something. That would make sense. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it made me laugh. Like, yeah. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. It's a funny one. You don't know they're making fun of themselves on purpose. I'm, yeah. I'm over here in this ear. <laughs> now I'm over here in this ear. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's not... We record these in mono, so that's not going to work. <laughs> Do you want me to just pan it? Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, they actually released, you're right, in 2009 they had the 40th anniversary and they actually did a new stereo in a 5.1 mix. Doubly. That's cool. Man, what else can you say about this? Other than it's basically, it's the birth of heavy, I mean, maybe heavy metal Mm -hmm. somewhat. Uh, although I guess Black Sabbath is, is probably going to... Yeah, yeah, it's very operatic.
1: It's definitely... Prague. Like, one of the spokes of, of the wheel of heavy metal. Like, yeah. we've had I mean, blue cheer, but we yeah. haven't had, like, this, like, Prague influence,
0: Yeah, you know?
2: I mean, Zeppelin's already...
1: Yeah. But they're still pretty blues-based. They they they, they, they 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 kick it around a bit. Well, so, Sabbath. Yeah, like, you know. yeah Sabbath yeah.
0: will definitely take it to yeah. where... It, it, that direction, but so
2: how many spokes are there? <laughs> probably, like, probably like four or five. <laughs> so it's a really weak wheel. It's just it's, just, it's a smaller wheel. You know, it's like, actually, for like a wheelbarrow.
0: It's actually six, six <laughs> because it's a pentagram. Oh, okay. <laughs> That'd be wait, that's fine. That's five. Yeah. That's five. Oh, Sorry. Pentacle. <laughs> pentacle. It's a pentacle. Yes, yeah, so
1: there's five pentacle. spokes, but they don't all radiate from an axle. They they
2: yeah. make a pentagram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds
3: good.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about this man. It, it's a really really solid record. Um, yeah, with, with the exception of ten minutes. Yeah, but yeah. I
1: mean. apparently Epitaph Records is named after the song Epitaph. Oh, Oh, I didn't know that. Confusion will be. I I I have read that on the internet. How could it not be true?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Of course, Uh, I did forget to. We're listening to Moonchild right now. It's in uh, Buffalo Sixty Six, which is a. That's pretty. The beginning of Moonchild or the end of Moonchild is in Buffalo (laughs) Sixty Six. Probably just the beginning. (laughs) That's when Christina Ricci is dancing in a bowling alley. I've never seen Buffalo 66. That's a beautiful scene. It's, uh, you, you should watch that scene at least. Okay. <laughs> the, and it also has yes in it, so it's it's kind of prog heavy.
1: It's the scene where Christina Ricci
0: is playing three different ride symbols in different parts <laughs> of the room. I did find those rides a little too high in the mix. Oh, is it distracting? Like... <laughs> <laughs> It just seemed weird. Like, so. It's like he's high in the throwing mix. pebbles at them. Well, it's not his fault, though. He's playing them, like, I think he's playing them how in an interesting way because he could be playing, you know, more yeah. somber where it would be ringing out a little more. But he is, it's almost like, yeah, like raindrops or something. But the mix, I mean, the mix, when they mix it, they could easily just bring that down and it would. Yeah, it's it's such a like a cutting timbre. Yeah, you know, like it doesn't need to be that loud. No, absolutely not. I mean, the whole thing, even the those toms are are, it seems like it's like front and center in that mix. His voice is like in the background, echoey on the moon, on the moon
2: child. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I wrote
0: I did write. The beginning of metal, maybe doom metal, stoner metal, medieval themes, etc. It only goes up from here. Only gets better. Does anybody know two people that they uh turned down for the for front man? Mm-mm. For King Crimson? Um Chevy Chase. <laughs> <laughs> no one can work with it. It was two famous people and it kinda blew my mind. Frank uh, Sinatra. Elton John And Roxy Music, Brian Ferry. Really? Whoa. Were considered for King Crimson. Yeah. And they turned down both of them, and they got uh, 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 Greg
1: Lake, and then he left after this album, right? I guess so.
2: Man, what would that have even sounded like? I know. Elton John? (laughs) Um, I would
1: love to hear Elton John singing for King Crimson. I think that would have been so cool.
2: (laughs)
0: I also, uh, one of the reasons I was like, why, uh, I was thinking back and I was like, why is King Crimson like so big, they have this one album, yeah, it's pretty influential, but how did they rise to their, you know, their status? One of the reasons is, three months after their first gig, they played with Rolling Stones in a free concert in Hyde Park for estimated... Five hundred to six hundred and fifty thousand people. <laughs> yeah. So when you're playing, I guess that's an okay Good third score. show. Yeah. <laughs> when you're playing twenty first century schizoid man to like half a million people, yeah. hopefully S- they opened with that. Some some of them are gonna like I'm it. Sure they
3: probably opened I did recently. That was the
0: <laughs> the video though. That She's was played a few times. That was them in uh, Hyde Park. Oh yeah, yeah. There's oh, a video cool. of them. Um, I'm playing there. Alright, do we even have to go around and discuss I mean, what I you guys think about it. it? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah it's a cool to record. record. Uh, yeah.
2: Who did
1: the artwork on it? Some dude. Uh, just, just <laughs> some band some, uh, uh, some, some <laughs> dude. Oh, some no, it dude. was dude. Uh, I've, no, I've got it here. His name's Barry Godber. He was a computer programmer. He painted a design for the album cover. Uh, he died of a heart attack shortly after the album's release. Yeah, Aww. It was his only album cover. Yeah. Dang,
2: yeah. What What do you think about that album cover? I think it is. It.
0: I it always it's ru- striking, man. It's very striking. It always rubbed me the wrong way. Really, well, I, think oh, I it's love it.
3: Perfect because really? the whole like it's supposed
0: to make you feel uncomfortable.
3: Like the content of it is yeah, all about so. like modern alienation, right? And like that's what that guy like. You don't want to look at that guy's face. He's uh-uh. like the opposite of like something sexy that will sell an album,
0: right? Yeah, I guess so. I just, when I think of the Crimson King, it's, you know, Regal. Satan on well, the... no, that's the 21st
1: the... century schizoid man. The Crimson King oh, is on the okay. inside arc. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And yeah. I actually have a critique for that one. Okay. Uh, he forgot to paint the king uh, ears. <laughs> and,
3: Maybe the king it, doesn't need ears It's not like he's listening to music It's hard for me
1: to appreciate the rest of the art When I'm like, yeah, but he doesn't Aww. have ears is
3: he, is he wearing one of those things That covers the ears oh, up? To be
2: fair, no, the, no, the guy we, in the front cover Also doesn't also have also ears I think,
1: <laughs> my, yeah, my, my theory is this dude couldn't paint ears So either he crops them out Or he doesn't paint them in hopes
2: you don't notice
3: <laughs> We can cover ears with hair though oh,
2: Or earmuffs Right. Or a nice headband. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Your crown could go real, real That's loud. That's true. <laughs> That's true.
0: Multiple reasons. <laughs> We're now in the doldrums of Moonchild, so we yeah. should probably wrap this thing <laughs> up. Right. Let's do it. All right, next time we'll be talking about Leonard Cohen, Songs from Broom. The <laughs>
2: choir softly sing.
0: Three an ancient tongue for the court of the crimson